Welcome to another episode of Poetry Says, everyone. I'm Alice. This episode is a follow-up to my Getting Into Poetry episode. And today I wanted to invite my friend Eleanor, who was a classmate of mine in the Modern and Contemporary American Poetry course, to talk about a poem that neither of us had ever seen before. It's a poem by Emily Berry called The End, and it just came out in the latest edition of Poetry Magazine. So we really didn't have much of an idea about what we were getting ourselves into with this poem, and that was the point. I wanted to show you how you can approach a quote-unquote difficult poem uh, for the first time and see some of the benefits of doing a close reading in tandem with someone else. And after we look at the poem, we also talk about some of those themes that come up a lot in this podcast the theme of accessibility, the theme of whether poets who write difficult poems are being intentionally obtuse, are they trying to hide something? And pretty soon after this episode comes out, I'm going to follow up with a little mini episode where Eleanor's going to reveal how her understanding of the poem deepened when she actually went back and did a bit of research about Emily Berry, the things she found out and how that changed her understanding of the poem. So it's a poem by Emily Berry and it's called The End. And I I just went straight, I, I, I literally ripped open the package and I just went to the last poem, which which I just loved. I just thought it was kooky that the last poem was called The End. Um, okay. I believe death was a flat plain spectacular endlessly. Can you distort my voice when I say this? My scared ghost peeling off me. Distortion, she says, as if she has just made it up. And then she's quoting a line from a poem. Or is it a whole poem? I wish I could remember. My voice opens and calls you in. I don't know if you can hear me. I said, I carry inside me the trace of a threat that I cannot discharge. I said, I want to ask you things you can't ask a person who doesn't exist. She said, why can't you ask them? If we can't have everything, what is the closest amount to everything we can have? She said, why can't you have everything? Well, you know, when you're looking for a person, sometimes they appear. And a light goes on and off in the opposite window twice. Yes, you say, that was a sign. Shall I stop there? That was yeah. It seems like a good the, place to stop. Yeah. the The poem in the actual um, journal that's that's one page, and then it has another page and like a tiny bit on the third. Um, I'm happy to continue or whatever you think is best. No, I think that's a good place to stop because I'm already pretty. Um, I feel like there's a lot to. It's full on. Yeah, yeah so. even in like the first line, I'm like, I don't, I don't, what, what do you mean? Um, see, no, yeah. but see, the see, that's the thing. It's it's really not fair because I I chose this poem. I mean, even though I haven't actually, I hadn't read it properly. That's why I stopped at the first line because I thought, oh my god, I, grammatically it didn't even make sense. And yeah. when I quickly read it to myself, I didn't even notice that you know when I was skimming it, but. Like instinctively, you know that feeling when you sort of, you know, you see, 
<laughs> you see a you see a brooch in a window and you're like, oh my god, that is calling my name. So like this poem, I don't know what it is. Like I don't think what does it mean. I sort of think it's intriguing. I think I'm thinking there's something about death. There's something. There's definitely something about a relationship and there's romance, but maybe that's just my mood. I like the way the lines are. I like the way it looks. I like the space between the lines. I like how you have a capital letter. It, it looks very orderly. It looks like a list. I like that. Yeah, this, and the space is really helpful because it's kind of like the poet is saying, just take a breath between each of these lines because I'm going to some pretty weird places here. Yeah, I I didn't really know how to read it. I was just, you know, at one point I put an emphasis on she just because I felt like it. At one point I put it as a question because grammatically it was a question, but there wasn't a question mark. And I was... Um, you know, because we're human, we try to link things. So I think probably we each um, imagining links between lines and thematic links or um, uh, narrative links. Um, and the, I imagine they'd have uh, some similarities, but also many more differences. Um, you know, and it's also a poem talking about someone reading a poem um so it's a little bit funny actually because i'm reading the poem as i was reading the poem to you i thought it was really humorous um when i read and then she's quoting a line from a poem (laughs) or is it a whole poem and it's just oh my god well that's exactly what we're doing (laughs) it's pretty recursive right there that's awesome yeah love it i like what you said too about how we try to make narrative links. I think that's a huge thing for um, people who aren't very used to reading poems and especially who aren't used to reading poems that don't have a narrative structure or a lyric structure. That when you don't have that, you just feel, you you can feel confused, you can feel angry and you can just, any small amount of patience you had to work with can pretty quickly evaporate. Um, and yeah, I guess like reading a poem like this one as a beginner, it's a question of kind of reminding yourself continuously, like not having like the answer or what, what does she mean by that is kind of the last question you need to ask. I think the first question or one of the first questions is, is this interesting? Do I like this? You know, and you, you listed off all those things that you liked about it, which is, I reckon that's where you've got to start, hey. Mm. And I'm, you know, I hesitate because um, I have a, um, I like reading um, really strange poems with friends. Um, But another person, um, you know, is looking for, if, you know, if you're looking for um, a comforting um, poem, um, I'm not sure if this style would be to your liking. And I'm not even certain that you should even, um, you know, you shouldn't force yourself. But if there is a curiosity there, 
you might find comfort in it if you put more of yourself into it. For example, there are certain um, poems that uh, my, my uh, I grew up with a grandpa who loved poetry, but he loved poetry that he he could recite to people and then they would get and they would have a moment. And so he would recite a poem to me um, at a specific time and it would match uh, something I needed. And it was extraordinarily comforting and moving. And, you know, and um, and so, I, you know, this is not a poem that you would read um, um, to, you know, you wouldn't read it at a wedding or something like that is my point. So I think you really have to, with this kind of poem, I think you have to put a lot of work into it. Um, uh, that's what I like. So it becomes mine. Oh, so that's cool yeah yeah uh, through the reading it becomes your interpretation make it more personal to you yeah yeah it's totally mine like i really own it for example um the first line okay first of all just the title so i mean i was initially attracted to the end because it was funny you know because it's the last poem but then also i'm you know, in my own life, I have certain things that have ended and certain things that are beginning. So I'm like, oh, okay, um, I'm interested in this. Let's see what this Emily Berry has to say about the end. And her first line is, I believed death. Okay, just that. So I'm, I already see that it's, she's talking about the past and she's talking about death. Mm. And already I'm interested, I'm in, I'm in because, um, it's generally interesting to hear about what people believe about death. I believe death was a flat plane, spectacular, endlessly. Okay, she's hooked me, absolutely, because um, no one knows what death is. How are we going to describe it? Um, you can't really, the best way is in a way that's not quite grammatical. Um, because language, you can't actually describe death in language. That's why people try in all different forms. So just the way it doesn't make grammatical sense, linguist, on the linguistic end of it, I believe death, it's, it was a flat, plain, spectacular, okay, plain, um, sort of, it, it can be the noun, it can be the adjective. If it's the adjective, oh, can it be? Is plain? See, now I would go and look up the spelling of plain, because a plain, like a like a flat piece oh, of ground. Oh yeah. Yeah, like a flat ground. Yeah, that has to be a and e. Yeah, I was like totally forgetting that. So um, would it be a and e? You know, that's the sort of thing I would I would look it up. Mm. And then now. And um, and then something is plain. If something is plain, it's not spectacular. Or is it? Can something that's really plain be spectacular? Well, that's interesting because I've been thinking about style and fashion lately. Um, endlessly. Endlessly, you know, I mean, if I was... Uh, a more knowledgeable person I'd know what the grammatical name for endlessly is but yeah, I'm not but I mean it it's obvious it doesn't really make sense what is endlessly 
maybe I just had a thought that maybe endlessly is referring back to the believed. So as in I endlessly believed death was a flat, a flat plane spectacular. Oh, it doesn't really help much, but um, yeah, well, no, it adds a really interesting twist. But and see, that's course, me trying to make it fit into standard English. But the author, but the poet would know that because I mean, you would know that's what your reader's trying to do. So, it you know what actually, that's what you said has really really helped me because you know what it's doing, it's making that line into a circle. Mm. because you're bringing the endlessly back to I believed endlessly and again there's the humor here because the title is the end and the last word of the first line is endlessly oh yeah I didn't even think of that <laughs> so cool so I I admire um games like um poets who play linguistic games so there's a bit of playfulness here that I am admiring um and then, can you distort my voice when I say this? So we have an I, so we have this person, I, in the beginning, and then in the second line, you have you. Now, this can be the same speaker talking to me as the reader, or to us as the readers, or it can be the, the speaker talking to, to another person. Or it can be the other person talking to the speaker. And why would that person, whoever whoever they are, be interested in distorting distorting the voice? So she's so, saying um, something that she doesn't necessarily feel like she wants um, tied to her personally. Yes. Maybe. Yes. And uh, and I think actually that's um, a lot. Um, when I first discovered poetry about four years ago, uh, my line was that um, if you want to say something but you want to hide, then you should say it in poetry. And um, I still sort of think that, you know, um, even the most confessional poetry, I think, is hiding behind the poem. I think half the fun is looking for the person behind the words. So, yeah, yeah, sometimes I feel like that's the entire fun of it. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I just get so enchanted by trying to figure out why this particular person wrote that particular line. Oh, um, yes. I think personalities are huge. I, I have to see what the poet looks like. I want to know, like, what do they wear? What sort of jewellery do they like? Where do they live? Um, who are their lovers? I want everything. Mm. I want everything. I want their family situation. I want all the gossip. By the way, I just looked up, because this is what I would do. I just looked up plain, P-L-A-I-N, as compared to P-L-A-N-E. And it's interesting because, I mean, I just did it. I'm on Grammarist.com, and it says, A-I plain and A-N-E plain are distinct in most of the definitions, but they almost converge where a-I-N refers to a flat treeless area of land and A-N-E refers to a flat level surface, surface. But even here, the distinction is simple. A plain A-I-N is a land formation where plain A-N-E is abstract, mainly appearing in mathematics and other specialized 
fields. Mm, okay. Oh, don't you love that? Just just by bringing the word plain and making me question it and look it up, I'm thinking about abstract mathematics and I'm thinking <laughs> about geography. Yeah. And it's all in the reading of the poem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazingly rich. Like I, I thought this would happen when you first read it. I thought we could spend literally the entire hour just talking about the first line, um, and the first two lines. But I, I guess I would say to beginners listening that mm-hmm. um, this kind of close reading is really, really satisfying, especially if you get to do it with somebody else or in a little group. Um, but you don't have to necessarily expect this of yourself like you can just like you were saying earlier you can just see the bits of the poem that jump out at you as appealing as well yeah Um, yeah absolutely yeah but it does get more and more interesting the more you dive in um yeah there there were bits a little bit further down that were really really grabbing me I carry inside me the trace of a threat that I cannot discharge. Mm. Discharge is such an odd word there, isn't it? Yeah, like, um, makes me think of a, uh, like a medical instrument or, or maybe even a weapon, a weapon being discharged. Yes. So is it the threat of, of death or... Well, you can't discharge the threat of death. Um, And um, there is a trace. Well, it, it, you know, in the grappling for for meaning, um, I look to back again to the beginning in the title. So there's a trace of the end in all of us. and we we cannot discharge it, you know, just like you can't choose when you're going to be born. Um, you can't choose, well, I mean, most of the time you, you can't choose when you're going to die. Mm. Um, and you can't, you can't discharge or get rid of the threat of the fact that you will die. Yes. Even if you make some kind of active decision in terms of the timing. Yes, um, you're charged with it, yeah. and and so be it. Um, gosh, it feels a bit claustrophobic now. It, <laughs> that's a, that circularity is like tightening and getting a little bit, little bit much. Yes. Yeah, but that was just a random line that I jumped to though, a little further down. Yes. Um, why don't we go back up to the third line? My scared ghost peeling off me. That, again, sounds like a reference to, you know, the spirit leaving the body. Um, if your ghost well, it, um, leaves you, then you, you're, you're probably dead at that point. Oh. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I didn't read it that way, but that that makes perfect sense. How are you reading it? Well, I was just, I was struck by the fact that I never thought of um, owning my own ghost. <laughs> Mm. And I like the idea that um, 
not only would I have a ghost, but he would be scared. So, I mean, usually I think of other people coming into my life, let's say, who as ghosts. I mean, I don't think about it all the time, but I mean, you know, um, uh, it, it, it's, an, it's a concept we all, you know, we've all been to movies where ghosts, I mean, ghosts are scary. This ghost is not scary. This ghost is actually scared. Um, so I, I didn't know quite what to make of it. It's almost as if, yes, there's a vulnerability. Um, the vulnerability is the ghosts peeling off me. Um, uh, gosh, I can, it's, it's very visual. I can, I can see the peeling off of a ghost. Um, yeah, that really calls to mind like a very specific image it's interesting yeah scared is um there's something about that word choice that almost makes me discount that line it's like I skip over it because scared is like not quite strong enough for me like I would more want you know terrified or um uh like I don't know devastated it's something stronger something like scared just sounds like something you know, that you feel in a movie theatre, um, not yes. something that is particularly real. Yes, yes, it doesn't, yeah, no, it, yeah, I agree. It doesn't have um, uh, emotional heft, I guess. No, no, but, <laughs> and, and maybe, like, it's got to be obviously a, a conscious choice there. There seems to be this balance in this, at least the part of the poem that we've read, between the heft of the subject matter, death and the end, and then this kind of um, casualness mm. in a way, like can you distort my voice when I say this? Mm. Um, and then the next line after my scared ghost peeling off me is distortion, she says, as if she has just made it up, like there's a real kind of brightness and casualness to that, mm. that line there too. Um, but it's um, it's artificial because she's. It's as if she has just made it up. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Um, see now I'm thinking it almost looks like there's more. Um. Uh, see, I'm always looking for patterns, so I'm I'm looking at every other line now because the distortion can you distort my voice when I say this in the second line and then in the fourth fourth line distortion she says as if she just made it up um mm. and then I'd go and then I'd jump a line to or oh, is it a whole poem I wish I could remember I don't know if you can hear me um you know I like to play with poems so I would I would probably maybe read every other line and then go back and read like, you know, go one, one, three, five, seven, two, four, six, eight, something like that, yeah, just yeah, to, yeah. just to play with it. Um, yeah, because it, it is, a, it is a metapoetic poem because it's, um, which means it's a poem about, um, a poem about the poem. So it's talking as, as we as the readers are grappling with why doesn't this poem make sense? Is this even a line from a poem? The poem is actually commenting on it. Um, 
and you know maybe that has something to do with with your view of of life and death and um can you know can you make make a whole you know if you have an end you have to have a beginning and a middle and this poem doesn't have an obvious beginning or middle that i can see mm. so that's of interest um i yeah. guess i guess coming back to um i'm trying to remember maybe four years ago i was brand new to this sort of poetry this this sort of poem made me very angry and i couldn't make sense out of it i felt very stupid and i felt that the, that uh, people just weren't explaining it properly that there was an elitism to it and the poet was on purpose um being obtuse and there was something really mean about it so i guess maybe by what i'm doing with the poem like reading it like this and reading it like that and jumping around and whatever what i'm maybe the best advice i mean not that i want to give advice after just a few years um but to be to laugh in the face of fear and play with the poem and don't don't think that just because don't don't necessarily keep on banging your head against the wall to make sense of every line and you can't read the next line until you understand the one before and if you can't find meaning then there's no point to it um i i would say just take um take a line and just write it out on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket and go for a walk if you think the poem is worthwhile um and that's an instinct so if you're look if you're still listening to this podcast episode it means you have a natural curiosity and you're interested in what these sorts of poems you know that are more difficult are about so if you have a natural curiosity listen to it because that means the poem might be made for you it meant for you i used to feel like poets who wrote this way were cheating because they weren't being upfront it's kind of as if they were being like deliberately hiding stuff because they were too scared to say it in mm. a straightforward way um and that was before I, I was introduced to stein and kind of shown that like using language in this way is an intentional way to reflect all the corners of life that make no sense um and yeah what could be a better subject for a poem written in this way than the end the end of life you know mm. as i always say you wouldn't want a poem like this to be too straightforward because then you end up with this kind of neat little bow at the end and, and it sort of says to you there you go i've i've interpreted this subject for you and and you have to agree with me because there's no room for movement here and kind of what you're saying i think with the idea of going on instinct and just looking at a certain line and not worrying too much about whether you get the meaning is yeah it's a case of like just allowing yourself all the room that you feel like you need and all the permission that you feel like you need to get it or not get it or interpret it 
or not interpret it just like yeah it's it's open for you yeah I'm I can be very extreme I'm okay I'm very extreme in my dislike of poetry as an intel as a purely academic intellectual pursuit and I a hundred percent I believe with every fiber in my being that the best readers of poetry are complete novices the only thing that's standing between them and the joy of of reading poems is lack of self-confidence and that's a big problem but given a choice between listening to a professor talking about a poet and a complete novice a, a, a room full of first time poetry readers talking about a poem i would go for the room full of first time poetry readers every time and that's not to say that i wouldn't get a lot i mean you know i love listening i listen to professors online all the time talking but they've been, they're trained they come from particular schools of thought they've been taught in a particular method whatever the fashion is of the time whatever university or whatever country they've studied in and that's fine but it's never as interesting as a novice and the novice will say um will say things the first thing they'll say is i don't get it and they'll say what don't you get and they say i don't get for example why this why is the ghost scared now it's to me i don't hear the not getting i hear that what they they've honed in on something that's one of the most interesting things in the poem everything that you don't get nobody else gets it's no secret you don't get it because it's it's not meant to be um a linguistic um uh, image or an idea that you've come across before it's new and you're learning about this this writer's life and you're trying to see the world from their perspective so the fact that you even can say i don't get this i don't get this i don't get this is already miles ahead of the average student at the average university and i do say this with disdain who instead because because they're so obsessed with getting the marks and proving how much they know because that's the job of a student to get good marks um and to graduate that they won't they won't actually say i don't get this i don't get that they'll oh they'll contort themselves into a million into a million positions just to try to explain something that's inexplicable that's so funny i thought you were going to say now i say this with love but you're like i say this with disdain <laughs> That's great. I, I really I encourage everyone if if you hate a poem, hate it. If you love a poem, love it. But never think that anyone else, you know, gets it. And the thing is, we have we have Google. You can Google everything now. And um that's that can be very helpful. Often there are allusions in poems that are completely beyond me, you know. I don't know, they you know, they allude to another poet or they allude to a city I don't know about or a personality 
or philosophy. I Google it. I use it as a way of um, experiencing more of the world. It's opening the world up to me. And you're a reader who's really become really comfortable with this kind of poetry over time. Is that fair well, to say? Well, no, um, I'm not. No. Okay. I'm never comfortable. <laughs> like right now, right now I'm sweating bullets. Oh, I'm no. looking around <laughs> like why did I not put, like why is there no air in this room? <laughs> I'm, I was so nervous and I'm just like dripping with sweat. My hands are shaking. Oh, I'm not at all comfortable. The thing is, the thing is, everyone takes risks in life. Um, uh, it's human nature. For example, my brother takes, um, he loves cycling and he push and he, he's an Ironman. He's an Ironman three times over. He pushes his body to the limit. He gets a kick out of it. He loves it. Um, he's never comfortable <laughs> on the bike. He's never comfortable. He's in agony. He loves it. I, you know, when I talked to him, you know, when I first discovered poetry, he's like, oh, my God, you've discovered your cycling. Like, this is, this poetry is your risk-taking. I am not a risk-taker. I don't, I don't even like to go, like, uphill on my walks, you know. I like level ground. I never learned how to dive into water. But I take her, I like to take risks with my, risks with my poetry. And, uh, it makes me feel alive, um, and uh, and okay, that's it. <laughs> it's very cool. That's extremely cool. I'm sorry that I'm making you sweat bullets. So that's not cool. <laughs> oh no, it's it's you know, I, <laughs> I I can only thank you. No, the thing is also, I think. Um, Poetry, uh, you know, for many people, poetry is a, uh, reading poetry is a solitary pursuit. Um, unfortunately, what I've discovered about myself is that I, um, I, I cannot, I ca it can't be a solitary pursuit. It can sometimes be, but 80% of the time I have to be talking about it with other people. That's why if you have a poem that doesn't have difficulties in it, there's really not much to talk about because you read the poem and you all go, oh, isn't that beautiful? And then that's it. That's the stuff you talk about. There has to be something there that is of difficulty. Now, I know it's a prejudice and to each their own, but I think the more difficult the poem, the more interesting the discussion. On that note, I wanted to say uh, for the introverts out there, um, who, you know, would, or, or, or generally people who, you know, don't have time or don't know other people who would want to talk about poetry and are like, well, it's all very well to say you should get together, but who am I going to get together with? I, I can recommend what I did is I, um, uh, well, first of all, podcasts like your own are, are just incredible, I think. Um, and also, um, what was it called? Okay, so Jacket 2 has something called First Readings. Um, I don't know if, you're, if you've seen that, Alice. No. It's, um, I discovered it ages ago. And as I was thinking about this, you know, talking to you, I thought, oh, I should recommend that to people. It's really interesting. Go to the jacket2.org website and um, search First Readings. And what it is, is that they take each time they take a different poem um, 
and it, it's written. I, you just read it. I don't think it's um, it's not an audio. Um, so they take a poem and they give it to three different poets who read it for the first time and write about the experience of first reading that poem. Hmm. And so you can, so the you know you can compare the different readings. You can see what their um, method is because everyone has a different method. And also, it's interesting to um, read about poets reading someone else's, a poet reading someone else's poem, rather than a professor or a critic or, you know, just a normal reader. That sounds amazing. I'll definitely link to that for sure. That's so good. Yeah. Cool. You've said so many great things. Thank you so much, Eleanor. Oh, that's okay. Can I say one more thing? Please. Okay, first, um, no, two more things, two more things. Um, first, I want to just go back, just quickly, quickly, I wanted to go back to the last bit of the poem that we read, because I wanted to say, I don't want to leave it. One of the things that really attracted me to the poem as I read it now, was that I think that there was a very romantic bit at the end. And I realized, of course, maybe I'm just a romantic and I see that and it's not. But how can you not love when she writes, she said, why can't you have everything? Well, you know, when you're looking for a person, sometimes they, they appear. Oh, my God. That is so, that is the ultimate romance for me. Plus, also, it's the teacher appearing when you're ready. Um, plus, it's, it's really, it's birth, isn't it? It's birth, it's, it's and death is disappearing. And then, and a light goes on and off in the opposite window, twice. I just love that twice. It's just so beautiful. It's perfection. Yes, you say that was a sign. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, I think it's as much about life as about death. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right. And I also like, in terms of the romance of it. Um, I said, I want to ask you things you can't ask a person who doesn't exist. So many double negatives in that. But I think what she's saying is, you know, you're real to me. Even if it, it seems like she might be actually speaking to this scared ghost, the more yes. I think about it. Oh, that's a very good point. But yes. she's saying, I want to ask you things. Yes. As if you're real. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the very last thing is thank you so much for your podcast. Um, your Aww. episodes are amazing. You're not going to cut this out, are you, Alice? No, the thanking no. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you promise now? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll leave it in. Thank you, Eleanor. I may be the world's worst compliment taker. Like You are. Literally. You are. Yeah. But yes. I, re I, I think about them later and they make me feel all warm and fuzzy. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for asking me to do this and I'll, I'll go and have a shower now <laughs> <laughs> you are off the hook <laughs>